And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 25. It says, And Samuel explained to the people the behavior, the ways of royalty. He wrote it in a book, and he laid it before the Lord. And Samuel sent everyone away, every man to his house. I want to tell you that I feel like that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are children of the king. It's all throughout the Bible. And you're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint. And we've talked about so much of this. That you were born for glory. But I think that if we were alive in Samuel's day, Samuel will write us the ways of royalty. And he would put it in a book and lay it before the Lord. Because the truth is, is that we don't really realize who we are. And I believe that it's not enough just to know that you've been called to be the son and daughter of the king. But I think it's time for us to understand the ways of royalty. I think that when, when Saul became king, the people didn't just need a king. And obviously, I believe that Saul wasn't supposed to be king at all. I believe that God was cultivating a king. And it was in, it was in the loins of Jesse, and his name was David. Some people don't believe that God wanted a king. But the truth is, is that God said to David that your lineage will last forever. And he brought the lineage of Jesus Christ through David, King David. I don't think God would perpetuate a mistake into eternity. I think that God didn't want a king because the timing for a king wasn't yet. But I think that God wanted kings. And as a matter of fact, God made you a king. Paul said you are already kings. And John said in the book of Revelation that you're kings and priests. And so I believe that we're kings. And I want to show you some of the things that kings are responsible for. So if you'll turn to first, I'm sorry, if you'll turn to Daniel chapter 7. You know, when you were, when you were born in, from your mother's womb, the Bible says that you were created a little lower than the angels. In fact, the, the word angel there is the word Elohim. It's the name for God. In fact, I had a, a Hebrew scholar come and tell me that that word angel is mistranslated. It's actually the word God. He, said that, he told me, this is like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he said that, that he said the translators didn't have the courage to write that you were made just a lower lower than God. But how many of you know, well, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm simply telling you what a man told me in a, in a message, in a conference when I was in Arizona. But... Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I know this, that when you were born again, when you were born, you were, you were created a little lower than, than, than the angels. But when you were born again, you were seated in heavenly places with Christ far above all principalities and powers and every name that will ever be named, both in this age and the one to come. So angels, you went from being under the angels to being over the angels. And that's why in Hebrews 1, it says the angels are servants to those who inherit salvation. Somebody, I quoted that the first night that we started this conference and somebody came to me and asked me a really intelligent question. He said, do you mean we're supposed to command the angels? And I said, you can't find any place in the Bible where anyone commanded angels. All they did was pray. And prayer commands the angels. Because it is the angels who go out and carry out the word of God. It, it's, uh, Psalms 103, I think, verse 5, something like that. We'll, we probably need to look that up. I think it's Psalms 103, somewhere around verse 5 says that the angels hearken to God's voice 
and carry out God's word. So when you pray and prophesy, it is the angels who bring about your prophecies and answer your prayers. That's a good word. I guess you knew that, right? Everyone's shaking their head. Yes. Good. Um, you know that, uh, that you, when you start to realize who you are, you know, if you take a, a pauper and you put him in a palace, he will make the palace a prison. You will always create the environment around you that you have within you. And whenever the environment around you is greater than the environment within you, you will reduce the environment around you to the environment within you. I've used this example many times, and it's also in the book. In the 70s, we took homeless people because there were, the media got a hold of this whole homeless thing, and, and they made a political issue out of it because, we had a lot of, of course, we always have a lot of homeless people in our, in our country. And uh, the media got a hold of it. They made a political issue out of it in the 70s. And our government built, excuse me, they built apartments and gave them to homeless people for free. I don't know if any of you remember that. But what happened is within a year, those, those neighborhoods became the worst ghettos in our country. Why? Because if you put a pauper in a palace, he will reduce the palace to a prison. But when you take a, a, a when you take a prince and you put him in a prison, he will make the prison a palace. And that's the story of Joseph. Listen, you will always create the environment around you that you have within you. And that's why even Danny's talked this, uh, this morning about, uh, about trying to control people from the outside. It's not just trying to control people from the outside. It's also, trying to, it's try, it's also creating an environment where, ex, where the externals are more important than the internals so that people pretend to be something they're really not. And I want to say this, and this, I should have said this to the leaders privately, but I feel compelled to say it to all of us. If you get bigger on the outside than you are on the inside, it's just a matter of time before you fall. And in our society, with the advent of, of the Internet, you can make yourself really big. You can be like the Wizard of Oz. You can sound like a big man on the outside, but behind the curtains, a little man. How many of you know what I mean? I mean, there's whole businesses that, you know, they're a little homegrown business with absolutely no inventory, but they have this great website. And you figure out it takes you three months to get your product because they don't have anything but a website. And that's exactly how it is when you become bigger on the outside than you are on the inside. You, you advertise, you create expectation that you cannot fulfill. You follow me? So I want to say this, between the promise, and we have a promise, we are sons and daughters of the king, and the palace, between the promise and the palace is all, always the process. And the process gets you ready to be in the palace. Are you with, are you with me? The process, if you get around that process, if you figure out some way to circumvent the process that takes you from the promise to the palace, you figure out some way around the process, you end up not being able to stay in the palace. And that's the story of Saul. Because Saul, first of all, I don't, God didn't want Saul to be king. The people wanted a king. And what happened? I believe that Saul was a great man. But he, he circumvented the process through bad timing on the people's part. How many of you know you don't want God to answer all your prayers? Think through that. You really don't want your way. You don't want God to answer all your prayers. Thank God He's merciful enough to not answer all of our prayers. 
And Saul got into the palace without the process, and so he went through the process in the palace. Listen, you don't want to go through the process while you're in the palace with the weight of a kingdom on you. And I believe that we're in this process. I believe that we, are, we really are uh, kings and priests. I, believe, I, mean, I don't mean it to just as a cheerleader uh, encourage you. I mean, you really, when you, became, when you found Jesus Christ, you became a royal priesthood. You became royalty. I mean, it's on that day. It's not like you're going to. You became royalty. But it's almost like you're being tutored, and there, you can't get around the process of, of transformation that, it ca- that causes you to be able to carry the actual authority of royalty. And we're in this process where, uh, you know, globally, we're in this process of learning how does royalty behave and what is, what is the responsibility that we have. And um, in, first, in, I'm sorry, in Daniel chapter 7, these are some of my favorite verses in the last three years. It's a prophecy that Daniel, it's a vision that Daniel saw. And let me, let's read it together. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, the hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire, and a river of fire was flowing and coming from before him. And thousands upon thousands were attending him. Miratives upon miratives were standing before him. The court sat for judgment, and the books were open. Then I kept looking, because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking, I kept looking until the beast was slain. Everybody say, yeah! Yeah! His body was destroyed. Come on! Yeah! And given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away. Everybody say, their dominion was taken away. Now, this is a very important point that we're going to get to later, but I want, you to, I want you to highlight in your mind that his dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to, him, to them for an appointed period of time. In other words, they have no dominion, but they're still alive. Verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. Everybody say, the Son of Man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion. Everybody say, dominion. Glory, everybody say glory. glory. And, a and a kingdom. That all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. That's amazing right there. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached the one who was standing by, and I began asking him what the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Let me stop right there and just kind of give you an idea of what's happening. Daniel has this vision. He said he was troubled in his spirit. He didn't know what it meant. How many know there's revelation, interpretation, and application? Revelation, what did God say? Interpretation, what does it mean? Application, what do I do about it? Tonight we're going to talk about application of something that David got revelation, um, Daniel got revelation interpretation of. But he didn't have application. And this morning, I mean tonight, whatever time it is. We live in eternity, you know, far above all principalities, powers, right in the timeless zone. So Daniel has this vision. He says he doesn't know what it means. Here's an amazing thing. He said, the one who stands beside me told me what it means. And I believe that that is the true spirit of revelation. I believe a spirit of revelation is literally a spirit that has revelation. I believe it's an angel who knows what the dream means. 
Oh God, release the angels to tell us about our dreams and our visions. And so he has this vision. He says to the angel, I don't know what this means. And the angel says this to him. I approach the one, I'm sorry, verse 17. These great beasts, now we didn't read about the great beasts. They're in uh, verse 1 through 8. These great beasts who are four number, are four kings who will rise from the earth. Verse 18, but the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Now that's a very interesting interpretation of the vision because if you, you didn't get a chance to read the entire vision because it starts in verse 1, but I want to just give you a little insight. There is nothing in that vision that says anything about saints inheriting a kingdom. The only thing close to that is in verse 13 where it says, The Son of Man came to the Ancient of Days, and to Him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Follow me for a minute. The angel says, That Son of Man who was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that Son of Man, that's the saints of the highest one. The saints of the highest one are going to receive a kingdom. Now, did you notice it says that the saints of the highest one, it's, no, it says the Son of Man will receive a kingdom. He came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before Him, and to Him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That, um, let's see, which will not pass away. His kingdom, I'm sorry, that all people's nation and men of every language might serve him. Now follow me. He's, the angel says, that son of man that, was, that, was, that stood in front of the ancient of days and received kingdom and dominion and glory, that is the saints of the highest one. And not only that, but look at what else the vision says. It says that the, all peoples and men and nations sorry, all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And the, and, and, and the angel says, that son of man who's going to receive a kingdom glory and dominion, and that all peoples and men of every language are going to serve, that son of man is the saints of the highest one. Let's read on. Verse 19 talks more about the beast. Verse 20, about the horns. Verse 21, I kept looking, and the horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. And everybody say, boo. boo. Until. Now, everybody shout, until. Until. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints. Now, we're going to talk about this in just a minute. But this word until is huge. Because this word until is the river Jordan of these verses. The word, when they, you know, I told you this, this afternoon, those of you who are here, that when the children of Israel crossed the river Jordan, there was a real line of demarcation in the sand. There really was a river Jordan. But listen, the river Jordan didn't just mark a geographic place in the, in, in the earth. It marked an epic season in the life of Israel in which they went from the, they went from the, from the wilderness to the promised land, and it says, in the day that they crossed the river Jordan, the manna ceased, the cloud went away, the fire went away, and their clothes wore out, and God says, welcome to the promised land. What I'm getting at is that they thought they were crossing the Jordan. What they didn't realize is they were crossing into a new dimension in the third heaven, in which God dealt with them differently. This until, this word until is the river Jordan. Because on one side of this river, the devil is overpowering the saints and wearing out the saints. Are you with me? Kathy, can you come and fix this for me? Let's read on. Verse 22. Until 
Everybody say, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One and the time arrived. Everybody say, the time arrived. When the saints took possession of the kingdom. Did you get that? Okay, next verse about the beast, about the horns. Verse 25, he will speak out. This is speaking of the devil. He will speak out against the Most High. He will wear down the saints of the Highest One. He will tend to make alterations in times and in the law. And they will be given to him for time, times, and a half time. But listen to this. But the court, everybody say the court, will sit for judgment. And his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Next verse. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people. Everybody say the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will serve and obey Him. Now this is an amazing passage. He says, first of all, if we go back to the 21st verse, it says, I kept looking and the horn was waging war against the saints and overpowering them until... Listen, it'd be important to know what the until is. Because it says that after, before the until, we were having this war with the devil and he was overpowering us and wearing us out. But after the until, listen to this. I want to read you this one more time. Listen to what happened after the until. And I'm just going to read you the symptoms of after the until. Until the ancient of days came, judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one, and the time arrived for the saints to take possession of the kingdom. The court sits for judgment. Dominion will be taken away, annihilate, destroy forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions might serve and obey him. Okay, follow me. On one side of the river, the devil is wearing out the saints. On the other side of the river, the saints take possession of the kingdom, and all the kingdoms under the... Not just all the kingdoms on the earth. All the kingdoms under the whole heaven are given... To the saints of the highest one. Now, that until is a pretty important one word. Because on one side of the river, you're in a battle, and on the other side, you're on, you're on the throne. Now, if you read commentaries, they will tell you, you I haven't found a commentary yet that doesn't tell you that that's the millennium. Now, you can figure this out if you're pretty smart. That anything in the last days that's awesome is the millennium. And anything that sucks is for you. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about being responsible for changing the world because you're supposed to believe that things need to get bad for Jesus to come back. Well, you need to think through that. Wouldn't it be a bummer if you found out that 20 years ago, your great-great-great-uncle died, who was a multi-quatrillionaire, and he put $50 million in your bank account. But the bank forgot to call you. <laughs> Listen to this. They couldn't find your phone number, 
And, and, and 15 years ago, your daughter got in an accident and needed an operation that would cost $150,000, and you didn't have the money, so they had to amputate both of her legs. And you didn't have the money to, because you fell on hard times, and you living in the ghetto, and your son walked down the street one day and got stabbed several times and still walks and lives with, with, with struggles in his body because you couldn't afford to get out of the ghetto. And all kinds of manifestations that you didn't have money to take care of your very family. And then one day you get a notice in the mail that in 1977 there was 20... There was $50 million deposited in your account, but we're sorry, we forgot to tell you. Would you be a little upset that you were living below your means? How about this? The banker knew it, hid the facts from you, and used your money to fund pro-abortion rallies and you're on a pro-life board. And your money's being used to fund things that you are against, but you don't know it because the banker is evil and took your money. Wouldn't it be a bummer if you found out that 20 years ago that you were a multimillionaire, but you lived 20 years in poverty because someone forgot to tell you? Wouldn't it be a bummer if the banker, theologian, <laughs> lied to you and you called about your bank account and he lied to you about what was in your account and he told you that this was not in your account or he made a mistake, the banker, theologian, made a mistake and checked someone else's account instead of yours. And said, well, all I see is 50 bucks in your account. When you had 50 million, would you be a little mad when you figured out that you were a multimillionaire and people died and starved and your children went without and your daughter goes without legs and your son still lives on disability only because... You didn't have the funds to take care of your family properly, but you had it all along, but nobody told you. And when you tried to figure out, they lied to you. What would you feel about that? Would you be mad? Well, you ought to be. Because you've been living under the power of someone wearing you out on you're running from a guy that has no authority. And you own all the kingdoms under the whole heaven. And the banker lied to you. Because it says that the devil wore out the saints until the time arrived when the saints, when the ancients of days passed a judgment in favor of the saints and the saints of the highest one 
received a kingdom. And once they receive a kingdom, they crossed over the River Jordan and they went from being ruled to ruling the world. No, not just the world, the worlds. The 11 dimensions, the 12 dimensions. When did judgment get passed in favor of the saints? And when did saints take possession of the kingdom? That would be very important. Because that's the day that you receive $50 million. You would want to know what day that money was deposited in your account. Because it will alter your family lineage. I want to tell you when that happened. When Jesus died on the cross, Colossians says, Colossians 1, that decrees that were made against us were canceled. I talked to a friend of mine who is a Hebrew scholar, and I know this to be a fact. That word decrees is only used in the courts. That word decree was only used in the Roman courts. That's a legal word. And when he says that decrees that were against us were canceled, he's saying that the ancients of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints and we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness, according to Colossians, into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, let me read you a few scriptures, just so you know I'm not lying. Mark 12, verse 34. When Jesus saw that the man had an answered intelligently, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any questions. How many know that Jesus did not preach salvation? He preached the kingdom. Listen to this. Luke 4, verse 44, verse 43. But he said, Jesus said to him, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I have sent for this purpose. Luke 9, verse 2. He sent them out to proclaim the what? Kingdom of God and to perform healing. Luke 10, 9. Heal those who are sick, Jesus said to his disciples, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Luke 12, verse 31. But seek his kingdom and all these Things will be added to you. Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse, uh, John uh, 3, verse 5. Jesus answered and said, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Acts 1, verse 3. The apostles preached the kingdom. To those he also presented himself alive after much suffering by many convictions and proofs, appearing to them over 40 days and speaking to them concerning the kingdom of God. Acts 8.12 And when they believed Peter preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, many women and men and women alike. Acts 19.8 He entered the synagogue, continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Acts 20, verse 25, And now behold, I know all of you coming among you... Um, I'm sorry. I, now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went out preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Colossians 1, verse 13, And He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and He transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, since we have received a 
kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we will offer to God an acceptable sacrifice and servants and reverence with awe. Listen, Daniel said there's coming a time when, there's, when the saints who are being worn down will receive a, a, a kingdom, a dominion, and glory. And this kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. will have no end. And all kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the, of the world, all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will serve and obey Him. When did the saints receive a kingdom? They received a kingdom when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The, Jesus preached the kingdom 147 times. The disciples and the apostles went on to preach the kingdom all through the book of Acts and all through the epistles. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, the... <laughs> The powers of darkness were broken, and you received a, kim, a, a kingdom, dominion, and glory. And then, all the sovereignty, and the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven were given to the saints of the highest one. That, Daniel looked ahead. He says, I see a time when the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom, and dominion, and glory, and all the kingdoms under the whole earth will serve these guys. They're called the saints of the highest one. They're going to receive a kingdom. And Jesus said, listen, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Someone has been lying to you. They've been telling you that's the millennium. That is not the millennium. The Bible specifically says this is the until. This is how you know when you receive the kingdom. When the, when the ancient of days takes the seat and judgment is passed in favor of the, of the saints of the highest one and the time arrives for the saints to take possession of the kingdom. You own the kingdom and someone forgot to tell you. When Jesus said, all authority in heaven, not a revelation, on earth, stunning. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore you go and make disciples of what? All nations. Listen, all nations. He did not say make disciples in all nations. He said make disciples of all nations. We have reduced that down to the banker's idea of what we can do. We have been told that we are to make disciples of all nations. Why? Because all the kingdoms under the whole heaven have been given to the saints of the highest one. They used to, kings, rulers, presidents, prime ministers used to receive authority from the devil because the devil had authority in the earth. He ruled the earth and he ruled kings. He ruled prime ministers. He ruled presidents. But Jesus said, listen, boys, I got the keys to the kingdom. I got the keys to the kingdom and I'm going to give them to you. Now listen, because I have all authority in heaven and now on earth, Therefore, because of that, I want you to make disciples of nations. Now, no longer do they get their authority from the devil. They get it from you. If you aren't ruling the, the nations, somebody is. I don't know if you got that. You were called to rule the world. You don't rule like the Gentiles do, do, but you rule with power and authority. And you rule with a rod of iron against the powers of darkness. You have no, they have no permission. You have no permission to give them mercy. That's a good word. Turn to Romans 8. Verse 18.
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We read that at funerals. It has nothing to do with dying. It has everything to do with living. I'm telling you, the banker is lying to you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. What is creation waiting for? The revealing of what? The sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility. You know what that means? It means vanity. It's the same, it's the same word as the word vanity in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Where How many of you know that the book of Ecclesiastes was not written to be true? Do you realize that the book of Ecclesiastes is not true? The book of Ecclesiastes is to show you what a man, the wisest man, what it's like for the wisest man on earth to lose relationship with God. See, the book of Proverbs is the wisest man in the world in relationship with his God. The book of Ecclesiastes is the wisest man in the world out of relationship with God. And he says things like this it's all vanity, it's all vain, it's all for nothing. The good man and the bad man, they all go to the same place. And, and, the, and the answer to everything is money. You know that? Those are all, that's all in the book of Ecclesiastes, that the answer to all things is money. How many know the answer to all things is not money? And that good people and bad people don't go to the same place. But when you lose relationship with God, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Everything is vanity. Vanity in that, in that, script, in that text in the book of Ecclesiastes means all for naught. It's all for naught. And how many of you know that it says here that creation itself also, I'm sorry, verse 20, for creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because him who subjected it. Who subjected creation to fertility? Adam. Adam was, had dominion. What was the first command to Adam, to Adam and Eve? Take dominion of the earth. Rule the earth. But what did Adam do? God, God said, here, rule the earth, take dominion. But Adam listened to the devil rather than God. So Adam took his rulership that was under God, and he put it under the devil. And what happened? The ground was cursed. You've got to get this. What was the curse of, of Eve? You're going to give birth with what? What was the curse of the devil? You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust of the earth. But what was the curse of man? You will plant and you will toil, but you will yield weeds. Your toil will be for naught. It will be in vain because you will work in the heat of the garden, but it will still yield weeds. <laughs> You've got to get this. For creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because him who subjected it in hope that creation itself would also be set free from its slavery to corruption, come on, into the freedom of what? The glory of the children of God. Who subjected, who subjected creation to fertility? Adam, the first Adam. Who's freeing creation? The second Adam, 
It was man who subjected creation to vanity. And it was the glorious sons of God who release it. God said, you put them there, you get them out. Read it. For creation itself was set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the what? Glory of what? Children of God. For we know that whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves, having, the first, having been the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies in hope. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. For he who hopes, for who hopes for what he sees? But we hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, within we persevere and we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with, with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purposes. Listen to this. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to his image, the image of his son, that we would be the firstborn of many brethren. And those who he predestined, he called. And those who he called, he justified. And those he justified, what did he do? He glorified. Do you understand what's happening here? See, the devil knows who you are. And God knows who you are. Creation knows who you are. You're the only one who doesn't know who the heck you are. And creation is waiting for you to get a clue so it can be released from its vain creation into the glory of the sons of God. All of creation, even the Spirit is groaning within you. Become a child of the King. Become a child of the King. Let the glory of the children of God be released. Let it be revealed. He's not talking about in heaven because he's talking about creation that was subjected to fertility. That's the planet we're living on. And the planet itself is groaning. And what is it groaning? It is groaning with the Spirit of God. Creation and the Spirit of God are both groaning. And what are they groaning for? That the sons of God would get a clue who they are so creation could be released. You got released when you got saved. And it's still waiting for you to know that you got transformed so it can get released. It was Adam who subjected creation to destruction. And it's the second Adams who will release it from fertility. You were born to rule the world. You've been lied to. This has nothing to do with the millennium. It happened when you received the kingdom. You're children of the king. God says, I've given you 
all the kingdoms under the whole earth. He's given you creation. The angels serve you. I give you the trees. I give you the flowers. I give you the birds and the bees. I give it all to you. You're my, you're my wife. You're my beautiful bride. Come along, darling. This is my wedding gift to you. This is yours. It's beautiful. Look, you can have it. Listen, I created creation for you. I gave it to you. This is my gift to you. This is my, this is my wedding gift to you. And I'll give you more if you want it. The planets are yours. All the kingdoms are the whole earth are yours. This is my wedding gift to my bride. It is yours. It's all yours. You were born to be sons and daughters of the King. The devil, listen, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. That means somebody has none. If Jesus, listen, if I have all the chocolate cake, it means Danny has no chocolate cake. This is very deep. You are running from a devil who has no authority. And listen, not only does he have none, but you have it all. You know what God did? He took He took the prison. He's put the devil on a planet. He cast him down to the earth, which was a prison camp. It was formless and void, and that word is the word chaos. He did not thrust the devil down to a beautiful planet. He thrust him down to a formless, void rock floating through space with no light, no beauty, no water, no stars, just a formless void worse than Alcatraz floating through the, the space of a, a prison, floating through space, absent of God, absent of any sign of God. And then God had this idea. He said, now I know what I'll do. I'm going to take my bride and I'm going to torment the tormentor. I'm going to birth a people on that planet, on the, in that prison, and I'm going to turn the prison into a palace and I'm going, to have all, I'm going to have all my princes and princesses stomp his head for thousands of years. I am going to put my people on there to torment the tormentor. You know why the devil's still alive? Because the Lord wants to torment him with you. He will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head you are part of his punishment God says watch the way I love my people I prepare a table for my people in the presence of my enemy watch how I love my people remember how it used to be now you will be tormented for thousands of years as you watch me romance my people The devil wasn't put on the earth to torment you. You were put on the earth to torment him. 
It's in the Bible. Listen to this. Some of you don't believe me. Let the godly ones exalt in glory. Let them sing for praise on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on nations and punishment on people to bind their kings and fetters and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment that is written. How many know he's not talking about people? He's talking about the judgment against princes, paladins, and powers to execute judgment on them. This is an honor for all the godly ones. Praise the Lord. You stomping is an honor for all the godly ones. That's a good word. Psalms 149. Listen to this. Psalms 13.3. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones, in whom is all my delight. Oh man, that's another good word right there. Do you know you've been lied to? He took your role and you took his. And the banker has been telling you, you got no money. And you keep saying, I heard I was supposed to get an inheritance. He goes, oh yeah, it's a thousand years from now. Another time. And all the time he's spending your money on his stuff. And you believe him. And you're sick. Some are sick. And lame. And some have even died. Why? Because they misjudged the body. They thought the body was a pauper. And the body's supposed to be a prince. And many have died, lost their legs, needed an operation, had no money. And many have died. Why? Because they misjudged the body. Don't even realize you were born to rule the world. You let somebody give you another name and take away. Someone gave you an alias name and took away all your money. And you think you're in warfare. And it's already over. Jesus said, it's done. You don't even fight for, for victory anymore. You fight from victory. I don't need to beat the devil. No, you don't. He's already defeated. What are we supposed to do? Get your stuff back? Supposed to get your stuff back. Well, if God is in charge, then why do bad things happen in the earth? I don't know. He's not in charge. You are. The heavens, the highest heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth has been given to the sons of men. Well, if God loves people, why do they starve? I don't know. Why do you let them? Well, why does sickness rule the earth? I don't know. He said, heal the sick. Why do people die untimely deaths? I don't know. He said, raise the dead. 
Heal the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received. Freely I received what? The power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Well, I don't believe that. I know that's why you're living in poverty. That's the truth. You know what? I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. The devil absolutely knows this is true. It's only you who don't. There was a man on a line. Now, one of the guys, we were praying for people on lines. This is a few years ago. And there was a big man. He was 6'4", six, six, probably 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And one of our prayer servants went over to pray for him. And when he went over to pray for him, this voice cried out of this man's stomach and said, Get away from me. I've been here for years. No, he said, I've been here for generations. And it freaked the prayer server out. And he ran over and he said, Pastor Chris, you've got to come over. There's something wrong with this guy. I said, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. You need to come over here. This guy's talking from his stomach. His lips aren't moving. You know, that's so much fun because one of the privileges we have is tormenting the tormentor. I mean, casting out demons is entertainment. It's our privilege. So I went over to the man, and there was three or four guys with me, and I said, what's the problem? And his man's lips are not moving. And this voice says, we've been here for generations. I said, well, you're leaving. He said, we are not. No, he said, we are many, and we are not. And I said, we are one, and you are. I was a big old guy. You know, in the natural, I'll have totally been afraid of him physically. So I said, you're going to leave. He says, no, we're not. We've been here for generations. I said, yes, you are. And the demon and I got in an argument, which was kind of fun. <laughs> and finally, this voice, it was really weird. People were freaking out because the man's lips weren't moving. And he was like, his eyes had rolled up. He just showed white eyes. It's kind of cool. It's like, whatever. Because <laughs> you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to scare you because fear is faith in the wrong guy. He'll do whatever he do. Wee, 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 wee. Big voices without mouth moving. Roll the guy's head back. No, I've seen people bend in two places where there was no joints. I've seen them crawl, throw up green stuff, chase my kids, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know what it's all about? It's all about getting you to believe they have power. But you know what? They don't. And they know they don't. They just don't want you to know they don't. And the more they manifest, the more they show themselves. When the devil shows himself, he's played the last card. Because, see, he's a lot more powerful when you don't believe he's real. Because then he can manipulate you. But once he shows his face, it's because you forced him into the, out in the open. It's the truth. I'm an expert at being demonized. I was trained by the sons of Sceva. <laughs> to think about that, didn't you? So this man standing there, and he says, We've been here for generations. We're not coming out. In the deepest voice he could muster. I said, No, you're leaving. He said, No, we're not. He said, I said, Yes, you are. And he said, no, you're not. And this man goes like this, and he swings at me. 
And of course, my guys went, whoop. And I knew that if I showed any fear, he'd hit me. And he went like this, whoop, as hard as he could. And right here, there was a wall right there. I could feel the wind on his fist, from his fist. And I stood there looking at him. And when he, when he couldn't hit me the first time, he got really angry. And he started going, and I was going, listen, I was demonized for three and a half years. I have no toleration for something that shouldn't have been in me. Made me mad. Especially when when I said to God, how do I get free? He says, tell him to leave you. I said, come on. Can't be that easy. Wave your hand over me. I've got to dip seven times in something. I mean, if you're demonized for three and a half years, you don't want to get free by telling it to leave you. Come on. It needs to be hard. I can't be that stupid. And so this guy goes, like this. I mean, it was much louder than that, echoing through our sanctuary. And then he goes, with his left fist. Right there. And when he can't hit me, he starts screaming. You're going to die! You're going to die! I think we've already figured out that you can't do anything to me. You're kind of funny, though. I'll tell him. You're funny. Now it's my turn. He says, we're leaving. Whatever. You're leaving. We're leaving. He said, well, I'm not arguing with you anymore. Holy Spirit, just baptize this man in fire. And this man went, and then this voice, the same voice goes, Satan, help us! (laughs) Dude, he abandoned you a long time ago. Get out now and go to hell. Left the man. (laughs) That was so fun. The man comes out of his trance. Where was I? Eh, wrong planet. <laughs> There's no power over you. It's an illusion. If I would have even had any fear, he would have hit me. You know why? Because then I would have taken my faith and believed in him. And he would have used my authority against me. Happens all the time. Christians get in a situation like that, they start yelling at the guy. And the devil knows when you yell, you're afraid. It's the demons who go out with a loud voice, not the person who's yelling. <laughs> we were getting on a plane. I was telling the guys a story the other day, yesterday, I think. Bill and I were getting on a plane, and there was, there was this um, old man. He was probably like 85 years old. And we were, we were flying from Reading to San Francisco. No, from San Francisco to Reading. And, the, and there was, you know, this plane only holds 27 people, so we're on the... We're getting on the plane, and this old man's got two suitcases, two big suitcases, which he should have checked in. You know, I'm like, poor guy, you know. He's dragging these big suitcases on this plane. So I go up to him, and I, I talk to him for a minute, and he says, you know, he's really, he's really got a lot of anxiety. He flew from the East Coast. He's never been on a plane before. He's 85 years old. His son's dying of cancer, has a week to live. So it's the only reason he's got on a plane. And nobody told him that he's supposed to check his bags in, so he's got his bags with him. And so I, tell, I hand my 
suitcase to Bill, and I said, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll grab his bags. You know, you figure out, you get him seated. So I grab his bags. They open the gate to, to go out. And this lady comes up, and she's probably 60, 65. And she starts screaming, what are you doing? What are you doing? I had no clue who she was talking to. And then she gets right in my face. What are you doing? I taking the guy's bags. Put those bags down. Leave that man alone. Okay. I thought it was his daughter. I thought she thought, well, it's stealing his bags or something. So I put the bags there, and we start walking across the tarmac. And, you know, I thought something was weird because you know how you can look in someone's eyes? Well, when I looked in the old man's eyes, he had a question mark, and it's like, but it, it didn't occur to me that he didn't know her either. So we're walking across the tarmac, and I look back, and the old man's dragging the bags, and the lady gets on the plane. I'm like, what the heck was that about? So I said, Bill, take my bag, and I run back, and I grab the guy's suitcase, and Bill comes back, and he gets the old man and helps him. I mean, this guy's really rickety. I mean, he's, he, he, he's really having a struggle. This man, is, this man is not in good shape. I mean, he's having a hard time getting up. This, you know those small planes, they don't have a ramp. You have to go up the steps. He's having a hard time. Bill's helping him up the steps. So Bill gets him in a seat, and I get the, his bags checked in on the plane and tell the guy, sorry, you know, the man didn't know what he's doing. He, he got, so we got him all settled, and, and we, we, we take off. And so here's, on this plane, a seat, an aisle, and two seats. So, so this lady and her husband, who has a cowboy hat, he's kind of a cowboy-looking guy, he, they're sitting together, and right behind them is Bill. And it, Bill's sitting in a seat with an empty seat next to him, and I'm three seats back on the left-hand side. So we take off, and I'm like, what the heck? What was that about? So I say to God, what was that about? He says, she's a witch. I go, oh, man, we are going to have some fun. <laughs> we are going to have us some fun, because I was born to torment the tormentor. <laughs> so we take off, and I go, I say, in the name of Jesus, not loud, I say, in the name of Jesus, I release the fire of God over that lady. And she goes, <laughs> and she starts shaking and screaming. And I mean, she is screaming. And she's, and she turns around and she thinks it's Bill. And she goes, I'm three seats back, so he doesn't see me. And she turns around, and she, I won't tell you what she said, but she used all kinds of Egyptian. <laughs> and she looks at Bill, and she says, you effing bastards are all alike. And she starts cussing him and cursing him and swearing at him. <laughs> you know, poor mild-mannered Bill. He's just like... <laughs> He's like, poor lady, he's having a bad day or something, you know. This is like a bad case of PMS. <laughs> you know, post-ministry syndrome. <laughs> and so she's, she kind of calms down. She's still shaking, like the whole time she's shaking. And I go, I release the fire of God on you. <laughs> she turns around. <laughs> she starts cussing at Bill. <laughs> I am laughing so hard, I can't even stand myself. So pretty soon I go, just 
double that right there. I just released a double portion of the fire of God. Now she's like, ah! and her husband is laying on top of her. She's trying to get out the window. He's holding her. And every time she's decided, more, more. And while I'm in one of the mores, Bill turns around. And he goes, and I go, and of course he's, she's swearing at him every time I do it. Well, he turns around and he gives me that fatherly look, and he goes, that. As soon as he turns his head, I go, Morgan! Get her! That was so fun. I was born to do this. So when the plane landed and the door opened, she jumped out of her seat and she's pushing people out of the way, running down the stairs and into the airport. All the mercy people aren't laughing. <laughs> Poor lady. I know I felt that way months later. Just for a second. So I'm washing, walking across the tarmac after this. And this young girl, she's probably like 22, real pretty girl, comes up and she goes, Hey, she grabs my arm. What was that? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you really don't want to know? And I kept going. And she grabs my arm and she turns me around. She goes, I want to know. I go, all right. That lady's a witch. And I was releasing the fire of God on her. She goes, whoa, I was freaky. Oh, man, that was so much fun. You know what happens when you figure out who you are? See, they already know who you are. They just don't want you to know who you are. So they go, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> boo. <laughs> I've sat next to witches and warlocks on planes. That is really fun because they're strapped in next to me. <laughs> Let me give you a little hint. Wait till the plane leaves the ground. <laughs> we were on a plane coming home from Pennsylvania, and this lady sat next to us. This is a real long story how we got there, so I won't tell you that part. But by divine encounter, we, Kathy and I end up in these seats that aren't available. And this lady ends up sitting right next to me because the plane's full, and we got two seats, and this lady gets a seat on a, on a plane that's full. I'm like, this is awesome. This lady is going to get ministered to. And she sits down. Within a couple of minutes, she tells me, she is a psychic and a Buddhist trained by the psychic network. I'll say, why would you want to work for a loser when you could work for a winner? She says, you're a radical right-wing Christian. I said, no, I'm just a Christian. <laughs> So we take off for, <laughs> and I said, 
hey, you have two spirit guides, don't you? She goes, yeah. I go, they're demons. She goes, what? I said, they're demons and they're out to kill you. (laughs) What are you talking about? Those two spirit guides that talk to you? Yeah, they're demons. And they're going to try to kill you. She starts getting all nervous. I said, you know why you asked those demons into your life? You know, she said, why? Because <laughs> your father molested you. I saw you underneath the table when you were seven years old, hiding from your father. So you got scared, so you needed some power. So you, so you got into the occult. You invited the demons in your life to protect you. Well, you're suicidal, aren't you? Dude, you're freaking me out. You were the psychic. Now she's really nervous. The Lord says, ask her who John is. I said, who's John? She said, John who? I said, I don't know. God told me to ask you who John is. She goes, the guy who molested me. (laughs) Oh, bummer for you. How about car accidents? What about them? How many car accidents have you been in? Why? I don't know. God told me to ask you about car accidents. I've been in three this year. Really? Yeah. Every time my spirit guide talks to me, I run into the back of people. I said, I told you he's trying to kill you. <laughs> it's so fun. She has a Buddhist book. She's trying to ignore me. She turns like this. She's reading a Buddhist book. Pretty soon she's going like this. And then she gets the book and she throws it on the floor. I said, dude, you are a speed reader. <laughs> she picks the book up off the floor. Kathy was with me. Opens to any page and goes, look at that, without looking at it. And it goes, some people need to be delivered from demons. She turns another page. Some people are tormented and need to be delivered from demons. This is her Buddhist book. Opens to another page, looks at that, goes... It says, some people can't sleep at night, and they're tormented, and they need to be delivered from demons. She goes, I'm not reading this dang book anymore. She throws it on the ground. I go, told you, they're after you. (laughs) It's all good. Got to pray for her. It was good. It was fun. Kathy gave her some books. Bowery's dead. There we go. Whew. You were born. To rule the world. You're running from a guy who has no power. You have the power. It's a little chihuahua. <laughs> have you ever been chased by a chihuahua and you just want to put a mirror in front of him and go? <laughs> that's you. <laughs> this is me, that's you. That's a good word. <laughs> and by the way, it says the saints of the highest one will receive a kingdom. It doesn't say the sinners of the highest one. Uh, that's how the banker checked the wrong account. He checked the sinners of the highest one. And you're not a sinner, you're a saint. <laughs> that's another good word right there. 
living under an alias and missing your inheritance. Hey, that's a good book. <laughs> living under an alias, I missed my inheritance. Wow. All right, in Jesus' name. Come on, Danny, fix this.